Alma Pictures and Baker Street Media present Second Z's Cubed with your hosts, Ayla Hadi, Allison Weaver, and Johnny Pinea. Second Z's Cubed is a technical podcast dedicated to critiquing and celebrating performing arts and inspiring the next generation of creatives. But I think, uh, yeah, I think this is where we can go to the the next chapter of this story, which is the industry, because I think we covered the the family stories, cuisines, and some fun tangents based on what we saw here from Congo. And yes. also thanks to Congo for inspiring us, for DR Congo for inspiring us for this episode, because it's a really fascinating place. I haven't been there personally yet. But I would like to explore it sometime. So that'd be fun. 100%. 100%. Um, okay. Well, we're we're off to industry news, folks. Um, so I just want to put it out there that it's really difficult to find industry news at this moment that does not fall into two categories, which I feel I have covered or ad me. nauseum. Yeah, like on one end, it's like AI, and then the other is like the strike. I'm like, I need something outside of that. So I did find something. It's like, it's everywhere. So um, this one isn't like big scale um, industry news, but I did find it interesting regardless. Um, our industry oh, by news the way, is based. Finding, you can do, you can just, you can search by form of art. Because if you're just oh, yeah. looking yeah it will always give you film because that's what people are crazy about right now but if you do like Mm -hmm. just go to some one of the niche areas that we're doing then you might find yeah i think next time i'm gonna look for more niche (laughs) so this is like happening in the u.s um as we know um the main hubs of the um filming industry in the u.s are like people mainly associated with like new york or la um atlanta too is like a big hub Mm -hmm. and another hub that i had learned of in the past through my friend who's also in the industry um is austin texas when she told me austin i'm like really texas yeah Mm -hmm. she's like yeah there's there's like a big industry happening there i'm like well the the more you know um so a bunch of actors recently came together, like really well-known actors who are either Texan or like they filmed um, some really important works that are kind of closely tied to Texas um, to film a PSA. So you have people like uh, Matthew McConaughey, uh, Owen Wilson, Glenn Powell, um, I think even Dennis Quaid, they're filming Yellowstone there right now. Mm-hmm. And they came together to film a PSA in support of a bill that is being put forth to um, Texas lawmakers right now. And what they're basically asking for is to give more incentives to um the entertainment industry to film in Texas because apparently throughout the years these um perks 
have been slowly scaled down throughout the years. Yeah. And as a result, these um, filmmakers uh, have been outsourcing their work to other states like Oklahoma. Um, So Texas is trying to. Yeah, I I thought that was so random. I'm like, Oklahoma. Yeah, (laughs) Oklahoma, that's that's a bit of a random state, but. So it's basically being moved to other states because of the lack of incentives that have been offered as of late in Texas. So a new bill is coming out and they're putting it into consideration um, to its House Bill 3472 to offer more incentives towards film productions that are happening in the state of Texas. And their their hopes in getting this bill passed is, of course, more projects coming into the state of Texas. And as a result, of course, is generating income, jobs, that type of thing uh, within their state. Um, we've seen that happen in Atlanta because before um like I want to say maybe like two decades ago Atlanta wasn't the hub that it is now but now there are so many different studios and projects that are constantly being filmed in Atlanta so the hope is to make officially make Texas another big hub in the entertainment business um and it already they big for music so it just yeah well they have that also that festival sxsw that they that happens every year um so i mean they obviously have that foundation there already but i guess they want to revitalize um the interest there um in the next couple of years. So I, and what they're also proposing, they're asking for bipartisan support, which I thought that was really great. It's not so much um, targeted towards one political party. They're going across uh, both political parties and it seems like there is interest in that. um, And it's not so much um, really directed at, one party as opposed to another. Um, so I thought that was an interesting tidbit coming out. I didn't realize that um, interest in Texas was kind of slowly going down these last couple of years. Um, but we'll see what happens because those film studios, they follow the incentives, basically. If you're not you offering tax incentives. Yeah. If you're not follow, if you're not offering those tax breaks and those incentives, they're not really going to want to film. And instead, go to places like Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was what I brought up. I still haven't seen the results. I could. Uh, I'm thinking that they haven't decided yet. But I will be interested to see what happens if this bill gets passed and what kind of projects we'll be seeing from Texas in the next few years. Yeah, I think it's important for them to think about the future of the industry there because naturally the United States is in a space right now with what's been happening that they need to figure out if they're going to stay as an, inju- as an industry leader 
and in art. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that it's coming now because, and I'm saying in art generally, because that's very uh, unclear, I think, whether mm-hmm. U.S. will be an industry leader in general in arts. And I, yeah, not just talking about this whole obsession with the two things that we mentioned earlier in this conversation, but I'm talking also about the the creativity, the the incentives, the the the, the choices that leaders are making, whether to support arts or not, uh, in mm-hmm. that country. And I'm also talking about Canada and other places that have historically been arts focused right whether they're yeah. going to be you know supporting those things like i'm not talking about most of europe because the people in europe that are very arts focused are always arts focused they just don't change that but i mm-hmm. am talking about north america uh some places like uk i will count as one of the people as an exception to the european trend of keeping art generally high level because uk is also going through something um but yeah it's it's kind of like there's a shifting as we said before the of the art centers again so mm-hmm. they have to figure out if they're going to be a central focal point for art they have to stay there they have to be uh really niche so for example uh i saw that harrison ford just got the as we're recording this, which you'll you audience members will see this later. Um, Harrison Ford just got an honorary Palme d'Or this time. So it's like also the um the industry is really recognizing um obviously the US the US talents, right? They're recognizing the US talents alike for what they are because they keep publishing pushing out content um and there's a film that don't quote me but they have a very good chance to win oh um the palm d'or and let me just uh, the the uh there's a there's a film by by jonathan glazer what's the title uh so one of these World War II thingies. Wait. I feel like in World War II movies always get some sort of it's recognition. Called zone of interest. That's what it is. The zone of interest. Yeah, of course they do. So they, hmm. they know they're on they, it got a six minute standing ovation. What? Six minutes? Yeah, six minutes. People so can clap for that long. Yes, I I saw it happen another time for um a, a hidden life by with uh, Terry. So Terrence oh. Malick, um, that happened before for a hidden life. Of course, it was also a uh, it was also a World War II story, but basically, oh, okay. it's a adaptation of. A novel by Martin Ami, and it's very ambitious because it's set in Auschwitz and it's telling a story of oh. an officer who becomes entangled with the camp commandant's wife. 
Okay. Yeah. This is the movie that that will go in six minutes. Then yes. Mm. With Harrison Ford. I'm pretty sure this zone of interest may. No, Harrison Ford was getting an honorary Palme d'Or. This oh, wait, wait, zone okay. Of, zone of interest has something to do with something else. Um, okay. But basically, the idea is it already got a six-minute standing ovation. I would expect it to do very well. Hmm. Who's and attached I, to the project? Uh, Sandra Huller, Rudolf Hoss, Ralph... Airforth, Christian Friedel, Mary Rosa, Daniel Holzberg, Stephanie Petrowitz, and uh, Sasha Maas, Bex Beck, Wolfgang Lampi, and I can't remember who produced it. I'm like, yeah. Sometimes I'm catching the photo calls to see who's who's associated with what. There's mm-hmm. also there's a documentary by Wang Bing. Coming out of China, which I think also has a very good chance to do very, very, very well. It's a very niche story about textile workers. So, oh. uh, yeah, Wang Bing is always really doing a lot of documentaries, and it okay. was produced by French. So, um, definitely a one to check out. So, yeah, as far as the industry goes. People are recognizing the U.S. talent. But if I take a look at, for example, the con selection, it's pretty diverse from around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that the the just like any of the arts right now, I think that the U.S. kind of domination of the art forms as far as like the more popular arts. Right. When I say popular, mm-hmm. I mean mass masses art forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, is not so much now, so it's very interesting, and I'm I'm hoping that we can see more of the diversity coming to the arts in terms of global art. And I wonder what mm-hmm. will happen to to the U.S. art scene in the future if it will go through a reset or something like this. I don't know. I mean, honestly, it's not surprising. I feel like there was definitely a moment, especially in the early 2000s, where you could see it happening from mm-hmm. even like yeah. an education perspective, like cutting out art programs at schools and more like standardized testing. It definitely was that was kind of a cultural reset moment, I feel, for the United States. Um like there was just this huge cultural shift that was happening. Um, and I think that we're seeing now the fruits of that reset that happened and this like cultural um, shift right now when you're not putting value from a young age, from school age um, in the arts. What Unless do you think is going to happen? Ten- in the public school, no, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, most kids end up going to public school. So basically right now, the arts are going to be reserved for people who come from privileged backgrounds um, and even children who don't or come those, from privileged um, backgrounds. What do you call them? Those magnet schools where kids can apply to go. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, but even then, like it require even if it's like someone who isn't necessarily like from a financially advantageous background, there's still um a amount of privilege that goes with being able to That's- attend. Like let's say yeah, like let's say you have parents who are working all the time and can't drive you to that school, right? Um, and you have to rely on a school bus to get to school. You're not going to be able to go to that magnet school, even if you were accepted. So, unless it's like related, it, unless you're in the metro area, for sure. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I feel like cutting down those programs definitely have like. has produced a tangible effect 10 20 years from now within the industry and i'm just wondering if and i think it's a different um you know it was a different cultural emphasis at that time and i think now in some places you've seen the opposite shift like yeah around again yeah I can definitely see it within like the parenting circles too. Like what is right now being propped up within parenting circles? Yeah, what to emphasize on? Huh? Tell me because I'm not in the parenting circle. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there's this like big shift right now, but before it was very much like um, academic success oriented, right? Like um, you're trying to push your kid to do the best in school, go to college, get that degree. um, And you very much were fed this story that if you go to college and get a degree, you're going to get like financial success after. And then of course, like 2008 happened and we were showed that that wasn't necessarily true. Um, Right now with parenting, it's all about parents kind of examining their own generational cycles and the trauma that they have, uh, you know, acquired throughout their life and wanting to shift that and not pass it on to their kids anymore and to teach them to be uh, emotionally intelligent, emotionally healthy, um, having boundaries, that type of thing. So it's not so much of like, uh, I need you to do really well in these standardized tests and scores and things like that. Um, It's more about uh, making sure that they are mentally and emotionally um, strong and not wanting to riddle them with anxieties and all these traumas that they have been passed on by their parents who their parents got passed on by their own parents and so forth that's kind of like the big shift and focus that's happening yeah exactly and it's like there's a term for it it's like called gentle parenting which you know it's also authoritative parenting but just you know in a gentle way and it's all about also empowering your kids too. Um, so things like wanting them to learn like all their body parts and body autonomy and also teaching them skills, practical skills, like how to take care of themselves, how to cook for themselves. It's like really interesting. Um, you see these like, especially like Montessori kid accounts, yeah, you'll see like Montessori program right now. Yeah. So like you'll see mm-hmm. like these two, three, four year olds. No kidding, no joke. Um, no, they'll My be nephew. like, yeah, your nephew. Yeah, is he like cooking full on meals? He's doing stuff at three years old that are great. Like they, yeah, they're. It's I, a really I, saw, good I love Montessori. Yeah, yeah. 
So like there was this four-year-old brother talking to his two-year-old brother who like, I think broke something and was upset about it. And he was like, it's okay, Jonah, you broke something um, and you did it because you had big emotions and you were angry. And now you're sad that you don't have your toy anymore. And like he comforts his two-year-old brother and like the two-year-old brother like starts to calm down and, you know, emotionally regulate. I'm like, that's That's like my my nephew. So like he's- He's doing really well with his like coloring because it's like three. He's got he's doing really Aww. well with the coloring and doing the little tasks like label that plant, like uh, like color this leaf, or you know, the little thing that they can yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. This is a leaf, right? And so the teacher's like, he's really doing great, like to do his tasks during the day, and he'll fly through those so that he can play with Legos more. He's <laughs> <laughs> He's practicing time management. Yes, exactly. I was like, good job, little guy. I love you, LJ. <laughs> so that, that's like, they're really, they're great. They even have like all the farm animals and they teach them all about yes. really things. I'm like, I love Montessori method. It's awesome. So yeah, if yeah. kids that can get this kind of education from their family and also from the school I will say also Montessori does um, really like value teaching emotional intelligence to their kids, being able to label their emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And practice emotional regulation. So I'm curious to see with this shift in parenting, what kind of a cultural reset will happen and what the results will be from that parenting shift. Yeah. I hope there's more good art. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Me too. As we I, said, I like, at least just the kid-friendly episode. <laughs> <laughs> Very on theme. Yeah, we are really on theme. And this also goes back to the thing of like, they learn how to do little, little like creative tasks. And like, also I like that they have, um, for example, with sports, like mm-hmm. the way that they're doing sports now, like I'm not a fan of the thing. Like you have to teach someone that, there is winning and losing in life. But like, I do like the way that they're starting to coach kids in a, maybe a better way than I got coached in sport, which was like, yeah. but thankfully I had good coaches who were not like abusive. Like some of my friends. Yeah. I just had, I had funny, I had funny coaches. Like one of them, <laughs> I, remember, I remember coach R would be snowing. Okay. Snowing outside. And we would have to still run where however many kilometers. He would be like, now, 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 ladies. Now, now, it's a lovely day. Let's go out and run. And he would be sitting on this box of pennies. And like, now, ladies. And he would just be out in the, like, like harder coach. Tell me why I can perfectly imagine this and this person, what he looks like. He's like a little bit larger now. He used to be a, like a football guy. And I mean, football is in football, football, like not, or they call it soccer, I guess, anyways. But he's this like football guy and he's like, now, 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 ladies, it's a lovely day. And you're going to do it. And he he was very nice as a coach, like a great coach. Another one would be if if we were in high school. So if some girl was getting distracted by one of the guys on the lacrosse team or whatever, he'd be like, now, now, we need a little less Johnny and Susie time. Now, come on, we gotta get out there. We gotta go. Gotta... 
Oh my gosh. Ah, he sounds precious. He was precious. Like, and, but some of my, some of my friends had really bad coaching experiences and I'm glad that there's more uh, accountability for coaches and for, uh, and we were also lucky in the theater, like, backstage i had a very supportive backstage experience for my first experience mm-hmm. uh, yeah. even though it's still a lot of pressure people still you know curse like a sailor or whatever like it was a more uh i guess it was a more supportive environment than my first backstage experience than what the industry usually is even though it was at a time where yeah, we were having a different era back then, but I think mm-hmm. I think people coming up now, some of them have a more supportive experience. The only thing that I'm concerned about is people learning about failure and the benefit of failure. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there are some parents, I feel, at least from observing some of my interns, that don't allow their kids to fail. They don't allow that them to comes into the fit. high pressure environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where you learn most of your valuable lessons. Yeah. And so, like, for example, there's that, that one piece that I told you about where I have some of those guys um there, and that was their first time they're learning some really significant lessons. Like one of them said to me this week. He was like, I learned this week that time is money. And I was like. (laughs) That's a really important lesson. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, they're learning about like quality more than quantity. And like the fact that I take a risk on some people too, in my life to, to, to let them learn through difficulty Mm -hmm. or learn through failure. And I'm not just writing them on a deadline, like, is good, I think, for them to 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 develop. Yeah. Now, if it comes to my some more serious, a more serious project, like where I have a lot of high stakes or deadline, this and that, like I can't experiment as much. But with some of the experimental projects that I do, I try to let them, you know, let them do things and try things. It's more interesting i think yeah i bet you get some really wonderful results with that sometimes yeah because then you're like oh that's really interesting you came up with this cool idea that we never and it's the freedom to create right and so i think yeah going to the theme of what we were talking about it's the stories coming down to the generations that people tell it's the way that people value art or culture which can change the culture like for example if you're all stuck on on science and maths well, that's the focus that's going to be there and you're going to not have arts as your focus. Maybe you yeah. need more, more technicians. So, of course, your school system is going to focus on science, maths, and and this, right? But mm-hmm. if you also value the arts, then it's important to do both. I think it's really important yeah. to have a well for people. Like, yeah. And I'm in, so let's just say, <laughs> I'm in business with yeah. art. I still believe it's really important because if you can't do this, you, you miss something you miss. Yeah. It's all about balance. If you want like a fully rounded out balanced human being, you have to address all the subjects in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and I didn't I didn't like maths when I was younger because I couldn't see how it was useful and practical. But if someone would have taught it to me in the way that some people are teaching it now, which is a very practical approach to maths and not mm-hmm. just like get up here and do this problem. A plus B equals C, you know, like, yeah, it was not, I thought I was bad at it, but it, I think what I had was math anxiety at the time and I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. And I also think that I didn't realize the practical bit of it, like how it's mm-hmm. actually interesting or useful to me. I was just like, why are we doing these word problems that are about Johnny and Stuart waiting for the bus or something like this? Like, and how long will it take for the bus? Now? You know, I remember that. from Yeah. From one of my, oh my gosh. For us, it was a train. Yeah. Train A yeah. leaves from point A. And yes, travels at yes. the speed <laughs> when yes. I reach point B. I hated that. And I was like, this is really not relevant to my life. Like, but now that <laughs> what they're doing for this the students is more practical maths. Like, let's go outside and do look at this building and let's think about the blah blah blah. Like, no, like making it more yeah. interesting for them. But I have to check yeah. it out. I did not enjoy math. I wasn't like terrible at it. I just had to work a lot harder to get like, a good grade. Get, it. Yeah. Yeah. But I was not a big fan of math. I had a really good math teacher. Like he was insanely passionate about math. We used to joke that he probably like when he would get a can of alphabet soup, it would just magically turn into numbers. And when he slept that night, he just dreamt of numbers and equations. That's how passionate he was. He was like really dedicated to making sure that all of his students were like doing well in math. And like he would do uh, after school classes and just tutoring and that type of thing. Like truly Mm -hmm. not a lot of teachers like that nowadays. Yeah. A lot of people don't have time for that kind yeah. of what up that's a and like the way he was yeah the way he would talk about math he'd just like get like really excited and just animated in class about math we we're like wow this man really really does love his numbers yeah that's great yeah. <laughs> maths for maths for genius yeah yeah so what's your industry question for the for the session um my industry question is this how do you utilize youth talents and cultivate the love for art and the um also like the thirst for knowledge for art in your own personal line of work youth talent yeah, that is depending on the project and what, like I said, what kind of flexibility I can have. So sometimes mm-hmm. with the interns or with others like young talent, I may not have the, the flexibility of the project. So, for example, um, oh, I'll tell you a story about somebody who I hope makes it in the industry. I really hope. I'm going to call her C for now Aww. because if she gets there, we'll, I'll tell you that C made it. But um, okay, she is a year 11 student. 
uh, in high school. And she is one of my interns now for lighting. And she also would like to learn some other things. She's a, mm-hmm. a budding choreographer. She's starting to do more and more choreography. Um, and she is a dancer. And she dances wow. of the more modern genres. I don't even know how many she knows. She just showcases a few. Um, she's a good dancer as far as like her age, I'd say. She's a pretty good dancer. I haven't seen her mm-hmm. dance like competitive like yet. So I don't like I've seen her showcase before, like do so showcases, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen her do competition now so i don't know when she's like really in competitive space what she's like but i do know yeah something really interesting is that she did this um event last week where she produced it um and i was the executive producer as far as the technical and then another person was the in charge producer for their side um but I let other people run the line. Uh, the, I mean, production management, getting my stage and film and stuff. I let somebody else produce, do the production management that day. And she was the student mm-hmm. producer. So basically, she had the flexibility to learn the skill of producing that time as far as that show. Because mm-hmm. she had the brainchild for it. She had the idea for it. Um, and she wow. basically worked to put it together under the supervision of a few, one or two people. So um, essentially it was the usual music plus bands, plus like she kind of wanted a club kind of vibe, plus dance. Mm-hmm. And everything was really choreographed, really pulled together. And she did original choreography, original lighting design. Wow for this and actually it was probably the best design that i've seen a person of her age do in a little while with the budget that she wow so really impressed and the rest of the crew supported really well i had uh for example someone in and they were all um they were all interns running the the show under the supervision of others too um And people, so I would say from age 15 to 19 years old. Wow, that's extraordinary. Um, And that's an example of how I can give autonomy to them and the the flexibility to do. There was maybe 100 people there, so it wasn't like big, but it Mm -hmm. it was still fun for them to yeah. showcase and we used a like a like a space that's like kind of industrial so it had a really fun little vibey vibe and yeah i think she did great and you know that's the kind of stuff that i can do sometimes to to mm-hmm. allow them to deal with situations handle problems like mm-hmm. sort out uh logistics deal with their volunteers plan their staging da 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 
gives them a chance to feel what it really feels to do it. And it teaches them yeah. leadership. It teaches them, um, yeah, lots of skills. Long story short, it's a really fun opportunity for people. Like, I think that's one thing I can try. I try to do is give people experience for the real world. Mm-hmm. Because I had a very good technical director who did the same thing. Oh, so you're imparting that same um, technique with with your interns and the young talent that you work with. Yeah, because he, like, we would even have 24-hour calls, for example, for a loadout occasionally. And they would have their professional staffs also for this theater that were older than us that would mentor us. When I was very young, I was 16 when I started. And he was awesome. He That's would so give cute. everyone the opportunity for the older ones to mentor the younger ones, for everyone to run the shows, to do the things. That, and that mm-hmm. menu was huge. It was big. Wow. And they would so put it's on. like you were really pushed off the deep end into the mm-hmm. world. Because mm-hmm. they would do... They would do rentals with a lot of good talent too, because of the the venue was good. So wow. people would come. Like, for example, Dantes Ballet would come there every year. Oh wow! Like that's not a joke. <laughs> and you were dealing with this when you were sixteen. We're dealing with a lot of stuff when I was sixteen. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> just give you one little story. The first show I ever worked, I think it was Miracle Worker. And I was doing, what did I do for that show? Oh, I was running props. That's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was just running props here and there. And then there would be times where it's just like nothing happening. But then there's times where it's like so much happening. So yeah. Miracle Worker is a really... Uh, action heavy play um, mm-hmm. and I pity the stage manager but, <laughs> but yeah that was my introduction and we were we would be so tired but we were just really loving it and I and as long as everybody did well academically we were allowed to to do do theater that was the clause I'm sure that you really loved that it was so much fun. That environment was so much fun. But essentially it's a um it's a process where they they must learn time management. They must learn this is how the industry works. Yeah. And I'm not always the most patient human on the planet, as you probably can imagine, because you know me. But uh but yeah, you've like, always been and- patient with me, so. I'm trying. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. But then we, but we also are patient because even though we may, we may go into what I call the pirate ship sometimes. (laughs) And I am out for the record, but uh, we do go into the pirate ship sometimes like in, because the show business is kind of like a pirate ship, if you will. I honestly Mm -hmm. can say that. I'm sure Johnny would have loved this conversation. (laughs) But yeah, basically the the idea is it's kind of like a pirate ship or a ship. You you really are moving 
things along quickly. Um, so mm-hmm. we can't help it that sometimes that comes out, right? Yeah. In how we talk or how we do. But I usually will say, like, guys, listen, I'm I'm sorry that, and yes, that was a justifiable anger at that time, but you know, I didn't mean to let myself go over the top that time, you know, and then yeah. they received, you know, taking accountability. And, yeah. So I take accountability yeah. for myself because if my crew is not happy, whether it's my professional crew or anyone else, then mm-hmm. that's a waste of my time and a waste of their time, the waste of the audience time. We might as well not work together. You know what I mean? If we aren't yeah. treating especially. And people love what we do. They love our our environment. They love the what we create. I love all the tangents that we went on today. Yeah, but it was kid friendly today. It was. Today was the episode of the youths. Thank you, dear audience members, for your support and for walking with us as we go on this anthology of the arts of many cultures. And we'll see you next time for more of our adventures. We'd like to thank you for joining us for today's episode. This episode was produced by Alma Pictures and Baker Street. Join us next week for the next episode of our podcast. Thank you. Merci. Gracias. Gracias. Danke. And have a great week.